The Lord be with you. Welcome to Thin Places, the podcast channel of St. Aidan's Anglican Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. I'm Father Lee, the pastor here at St. Aidan's, and I want to invite you to join me here each week as we join together to share common prayer, common worship, and common life. And just as the streams feed the trees on their banks till they pour in the seas, so may my life be to all those who share this wilderness road. A reading from the first epistle of St. John in the fifth chapter. If we receive human testimony, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God, that he has testified to his Son. Those who believe in the Son of God have the testimony in their hearts. Those who do not believe in God have made him a liar by not believing in the testimony that God has given concerning his Son. And this is the testimony. God gave us eternal life. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write you these things who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and you are our Redeemer. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I invite you to be seated. When I was growing up, the tradition, uh, the Christian tradition that I grew up in, placed a lot of emphasis on testimony. If there was ever a lull in conversation, one of the group leaders would ask somebody who was present to share their testimony. We even had special speakers who came and they would share their testimony with us. We even had special studies where we would learn how to better know and tell our testimony. Everything was always testimony, testimony, testimony. And of course, in that tradition, that word testimony is jargon right? It's a, it's, it's a phrase that has a lot of meaning sort of wrapped up in it. It was Christianese for how I got saved. Good testimonies always fell into one of two groups. On the one hand, you had the prodigal son testimony. And in the prodigal son testimony, the person would describe, usually at length and sometimes in horrifying detail, all of the things that they had gotten up to in the times before they got saved. And then the other, uh, the, the other fancy kind of testimony was the Good Samaritan testimony. And that one was all about the holy person who was in your life who got you saved. Now, hearing the lesson this morning from 1 John, we might be thinking, well, I guess I better start brushing up on my testimony. Everything that he seems to be saying is about testimony. If we receive human testimony, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that he testified to the Son. 
Those who believe in the Son of God have the testimony in their hearts. And this is the testimony. God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Testimony, testimony, testimony. (laughs) Now, in this passage, there are a couple of words that we have added into our own Christianese. And the first one of those is testimony. That's not surprising to us. But the trouble is that the word testimony doesn't mean how I got saved. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean that in John. It doesn't mean that in the New Testament. That's not what John is trying to communicate to us. The word that St. John is using here over and over and over and over again that is translated testimony is the word martyr. The word that he uses again and again and again is the word martyr. And the trouble is that in the last several generations, we have lost sight of the fact that the incarnation of Christ, and in particular, the ascension of Jesus Christ, calls us to become martyrs. Now, on our side of the world, we tend to think of martyrs as an over there sort of issue. That's not an over here sort of issue. It's an over there sort of issue. Now, obviously, we believe in martyrs. We tell stories about martyrs. We name our churches after martyrs. And maybe if we are are following the news, uh, maybe we're aware that every year around 10,000 of our brothers and sisters around the world face martyrdom. They are put to death because of their faith in Jesus. But the truth is that for us, on our side of the world, the scariest thing that we are likely to face for our faith is mean-spirited content on social media from cranky atheists. And so that tends to be where we focus most of our attention. And it's sad because the real threat to Christianity in the West isn't cultural atheism. The real threat to Christianity in our world is much more insidious, much more destructive. Not atheism, but faithism. I read an article this week, and the author described this perfectly. She said, we talk about God, and we do God-themed activities, but we don't really mean it. It's all just metaphor, and our spirituality consists of deeply felt emotions and a mental catalog of good things that happen, and it's all wrapped up in a pretty cellophane bag of inspirational poetry. Because the trouble is that faithism is all about getting by. It's all about uh, comfortable words and comfortable demands and wrapping ourselves in this insulating uh, cocoon of metaphors and images that keep us safe from the harsh realities of the world that is around us. And it's far more insidious than atheism ever will be because it allows us to imagine that the world we live in is a safe place, a place where we are rewarded because we are nice, and that the most important thing is for us to just get along, to do whatever it takes to get along, to keep the peace, and that if we just believe hard enough and hope true enough and pray right enough, then bad things won't happen to us, and it's a lie. But the trouble with that lie is that it sounds nice. It sounds comfortable. It sounds easy. It may even feel right. 
And in little bits and pieces, it happens to all of us. We can all look at our lives probably this week and see the ways that that kind of belief, that kind of faithism has sort of crept into our life. Just keep the peace. Just say the things that people want to hear. Just pretend that if I do all of the right things, bad things won't happen. And the trouble is that we start to think that, that that's what the gospel looks like. It's really works righteousness. It's really us achieving something. It's really us accomplishing our salvation. But it's not the gospel. Because the story of the gospel is the story of light that erupts in the midst of a dark world and that the darkness then goes to war to extinguish it. Now, obviously, we believe what St. John says in his gospel, that the darkness has not overcome it. But that doesn't mean that the struggle is over. It doesn't mean that the war is done because the princes and the powers of this present darkness don't hate Christ and his followers any less. They've not slacked off in their desire to snuff out that light. And that is what is so destructive about faithism because it's all about getting by and taking it easy. It's all about seeing feeling good as the chief Christian virtue. And that's exactly why, as we are reading through the book of 1 John, in fact, we've been reading 1 John for the entirety of our Easter season, but as we're reading it, we need to pause carefully because we misunderstand what testimony is, and we've added our own measurements, or our own meaning to these words. The first word that we misunderstand, we said before, testimony. But there's another word here that we misunderstand, and it's the word believe. Now, we at St. Aidan's have talked about that many times before, but it's worth revisiting because it's hard for us to stop speaking Christianese, especially when we're reading the Bible. Because for us, belief is about knowing things. We hear the story of Jesus, we decide that it's true, and then boom, we have belief. Faith exists because I affirm it, and it's true. But in John's world, belief is something that is much deeper, much stronger than the idea that we know something is true or think that something is true. It's not about knowing, it's about belonging. Belief and trust and faith are about belonging to God. Now I want you to listen to verse 9 again because this is what verse 9 says. Those who believe in the Son of God have the testimony in their hearts. I want us to hear that again, knowing what we know about testimony, knowing what we know about belief. St. John tells us if we belong to the Son of God, we are martyrs in our hearts. That is a different kind of story that we tell. But the trouble is, if we're being really honest, every time we hear that word martyr, we think of like lions and crosses and arenas, right? I do. Every time I read, I'm like, oh, so, you know, like, you know, they're being thrown to the lions, martyrs. It's hard to break out of that mental space. It's hard, to, it's hard to set that word aside and say that's not what the word means. Because when Jesus 
ascends into heaven, he says, that, he says to his disciples, you will be my martyrs. You will be my witnesses. You will be my storytellers. See, martyrdom doesn't begin when you and I are faced with the choice of apostasy or death. Even though it is true that thousands of our brothers and sisters do face that choice every single year, but martyrdom begins in knowing that we belong to Christ, that Christ's life is our life, that what Christ does, we do. And seeing what Christ is doing is carrying his cross. What we see when we look at the Lord is we see him carrying his cross. And when the Lord speaks to us, the words that he speaks to us are carry your cross, pick up your cross. Belonging to God means that we have martyrs' hearts. That doesn't mean that we go running out looking for some pagan king to put our faith to the test. Martyrdom means bearing witness. It means seeing God. It means seeing what God is doing and then joining him in that work, regardless of what that work is or what that work may cost us. Being a martyr means being someone who sees God because you belong to God. That's martyrdom. Seeing God because you belong to to God. To be people who day by day live lives that are marked by selflessness and sacrifice, that are marked by the love of God that we have encountered in the person of Jesus Christ. Not big martyrs dying in foreign arenas, at least not yet, but to live our lives as everyday martyrs. We embrace everyday martyrdom when we choose to love the way that Christ loves. We embrace everyday martyrdom when we decide that our currency together and to the world is going to be mercy. To see the way that God loves and then to love the way that God loves. Everyday martyrdom looks like choosing not to have the last word. Everyday martyrdom looks like forgiving others because we have been forgiven. Everyday martyrdom looks like a hundred tiny little intentional acts of mercy that spring up in our hearts because our hearts are thankful. Because of gratitude for the mercy that we have received from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To choose to become instruments of God's mercy because we truly believe in and have experienced the mercy that comes from God's throne. It means knowing the deep and immeasurable cost to God to love us. And knowing that our Redeemer paid that cost. Knowing that Christ overcame every obstacle in the world and in our hearts. That He descended into hell in order to raise us with Him to heaven. It means knowing, really knowing all of that and choosing to become fountains of God's mercy right now, right here, in this moment. That's what it means to be everyday martyrs. And that's Christ's invitation to us today, and it's not an easy thing to do.
It's not an easy calling. Maybe today for each of us, it's not going to be a life and death choice. For some of our brothers and sisters today, it will be. But for us, it probably won't be. But that doesn't mean that it's not a hard choice. Because sacrifice always costs us something. Love always costs. If it doesn't cost, it's not love. The call that God is giving to us today is to enflesh, incarnate, imperson His mercy in the midst of His creation. It's for you and I to become icons, images of God's love. Images to reflect God's love, God's care, God's justice to the world around us. Knowing that we're going to face criticism, that other voices in the world around us are going to try to drown us out, that we're going to face those who want to destroy the message and will try to destroy the image in order to silence it. Because His promise to us is that we will be martyrs. Martyrs in deed, martyrs in will, martyrs in heart. But He also promises that we will never be alone. The last word that He gives to His disciples as he ascends to the Father, is that we will not be alone. That the Father is with us. That Christ is among us. That the Spirit is here. That God is in the midst of God's people. And the invitation that he gives to us today is to come again to his table, to experience his mercy face to face, to be transformed by the love of God and then to become images of His love in the midst of His creation. To become fountains of God's mercy in the world and in the communities where we find ourselves. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for checking out Thin Places today. If you were blessed by your time with us and want to know more, check out anchor.fm forward slash thin dash places for more homilies, devotionals, and worship from St. Aidan's Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And make sure to follow us and leave a comment and join us again next time in common prayer, common worship, and common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Father is restored.